Hello, everybody, and uh, thank you. You are listening to the Film Survivor Podcast. This is your host, Tom Santilli, and uh, I appreciate you joining me here. Uh, we're coming off a huge weekend at the box office where Wonder Woman completely dominated. Uh, over $100 million here domestically. It's getting pretty good reviews overall. And, uh, yeah, Captain Underpants came out as well. Uh, on the podcast today, though, I'm going to talk briefly about Wonder Woman and just give you a couple quick takes on that. Uh, who, who saw Wonder Woman this weekend? I, I'm imagining a lot of you. But uh, chime in and let me know in the comments section or uh, hit me up on Twitter, at Tom Santilli, and just kind of let me know what you think of the podcast and let me uh, let me know what you think of Wonder Woman or even Captain Underpants or uh, anything else you might have seen this past weekend. On the podcast today coming up, though, we're going to have, uh, after we talk a little bit movies, the uh, interview today, I'm going to be uh, talking to, uh, it's really kind of a special interview, it's, uh, I'm going to be talking with documentary filmmaker uh, Lynn Novick. She's a director and producer of a huge, ginormous PBS uh, documentary series that's coming out. I'm going to be talking with Lynn Novick and Sarah Botstein, who's the producer. Uh, Lynn Novick is the director and producer, and it's called The Vietnam War. It is a, uh, wow, like a 10, it's a 10-part, 18-hour-long docu-series that uh, it opens, uh, comes out on PBS this September, which I know is a little bit in advance of now. But uh, the reason we're talking to them right now is because they are in town here where I'm located in the Detroit area. And they are going to be at Cinetopia Film Festival this Friday, June 9th. Uh, they're going to be showing a one-hour uh, kind of a preview of the series in on the big screen in front of an audience. And then it's going to be followed with a live uh, Q&A session with both Lynn Novick and Sarah Botstein. So if you are in the Detroit area this Friday, June 9th... Uh, you should check out this and check out the Cinetopia Film Festival. We talked last week uh, to uh, the CEO and also the film uh, festival director on the podcast last week of, of Cinetopia. So if you're looking for uh, more info on just what Cinetopia is or just a good discussion on film, you know we talked about you know some of the uh, the trends right now, just the streaming versus in theater kind of thing. We talked a lot about different stuff in the film industry, so it's pretty cool. So check that out. That was uh, last week's podcast. Uh, as we move forward here in preparation of uh, season 35 of Survivor, let's not forget about coming at you also in September. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to be chatting with them about the Vietnam War documentary and also their appearance coming up at uh, Cinetopia. But let me start back with Wonder Woman. Let's circle back around. Uh, Wonder Woman is getting huge reviews, and it's it's one of these things with me that it, you have to separate the historical importance of it versus was it a good movie and sometimes those things don't always match up uh i want <laughs> i was on uh, critically speaking which is the show that i'm a guest on every week uh right now on fox 2 if you're in the detroit area every friday at 6 30 i'm on critically speaking with the host lee thomas and also adam graham from the detroit news and uh, we discuss films I have to give every week a thumbs up or a thumbs down, and last week I gave Wonder Woman a thumbs down, and honestly, it's a mild thumbs down. If I was grading it out, I'd give it like, you know, B minus, C plus, something like that. It just, uh, here's a couple takes on it quickly, though, but 
if you if you saw it, hopefully you'll understand what I'm what I mean by this. But first off, let's start with the positives. Uh, Gal Gadot, as it's pronounced officially, Gal Gadot. Uh, she's an absolute superstar, and she has arrived with Wonder Woman. People will know her and recognize her from the Fast and the Furious films, but uh, you know she also made an appearance as Wonder Woman in uh, Batman v Superman last year. But she is just a superstar, and she'll be a household name in no time, if she isn't already. And it's not just because she's amazingly beautiful, which she is. And I think uh, my fellow critic Lee Thomas on the on the air <laughs> is just goo uh, goo gaga for her. Uh, to the point where it, I think it clouded his judgment on, on this one. But uh, she is just beautiful and breathtaking. But that's not the reason why she's great in this movie. She's also really good. I mean, she's a good actress in this film. She gives a good performance. She's very charismatic. She does the character justice. Uh, and I think she has a humongously bright future. Is humongously a word? She has a very big, bright future. Bigly. So, yeah, man, Gal Gadot is awesome. Uh, the film itself, it it it's, looks pretty cool. I mean, it it's helped out by Chris Pine, who's uh, the love interest. You know, the 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 dude in distress, instead of the damsel, and uh, he he's a superstar already. So it's kind of good to have him in the film. Audience, you know, feels comfortable with him already. They like him, and. Uh, yeah, he's strong. The chemistry between him and Gal Gadot is okay. But where it really lacks, again, is I, I'm a strong proponent of comic book movies really need to have a good comic book villain. Uh, if anybody's ever seen Unbreakable, M. M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable, uh, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, Glass, you know, talks about, you know, the need. Every superhero needs a, a super villain counterpart. And that's what really makes them great. Well, this movie, in that regard, sucked. The villain, uh, played by Danny Houston, was just like a Nazi who like gets roided up on these like weird things, and it just was ridiculous. Wonder Woman, in fact, doesn't really have a good counterpart in the comic book, in my opinion, as far as a strong villain. So I think it was lacking there. And I also, I mean, I'm not trying to nitpick, but the, the film itself just felt a little long. It, it felt very CG heavy, and uh, the biggest complaint of all was I just felt like it felt like a lot of other comic book movies, to be honest. It, you know, it, it actually, um, the whole World War II thing, I felt, was almost directly lifted from Captain America, the first movie, so that was kind of a letdown, and, uh, you know, and then it's just, you know, bad guy versus the hero, and, you know, the world in peril, and yada, 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 it's like the same old, same old. But the difference is, uh, again, the DC Universe, this is probably the lightest DC Universe movie that we've seen so far, if we're considering Batman v Superman as kind of launching the new era. Uh, so of the two, it's definitely a lighter take. But it's nowhere near the mood or the the vibe that you get watching a Marvel movie. Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, is fun. It's, a, it's entertainment. Uh, the Avengers is entertainment. Thor which a lot of people bring up you know, as being similar to Wonder Woman because there's gods and goddesses and things like that. More on that in a second. But the, 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 the first Thor movie was hilarious. It took itself uh, not serious at all, which was key to why it worked. 
this movie, it's just they're not having enough fun yet. The DC Universe doesn't know how to have fun. It's kind of stuffy. It And as good as Gal Gadot is, as great as it is to see Wonder Woman on the screen after 75 years, as great as it is to see a female director in Patty Jenkins, uh, the first humongous uh, uh, tentpole, summer tentpole blockbuster movie directed by a female, and uh, as great as all of these achievements are and all these accomplishments, it's still just not that fun. Like if you if you were to stick a male hero in in the role, and this was called Wonder Man, uh, I think critics would have panned it. I think audience members would have rejected it a little bit more than they are now, anyway. So all of that going on. <laughs> You know, the other thing with Wonder Woman, too, okay, so the comparison with the gods, everybody's like, well, Thor had a lot of gods in it. It's kind of the same thing. The difference in the Thor movie is that at least he's from a planet where, you know, these are godlike characters and creatures and things like that, but they kind of give backstory as to these are beings that exist in the universe. They're cosmic beings, and uh, they come from an origin, and they have uh, planets that they're co- they come from. Uh Wonder Woman, that could be the case, but they don't establish that. In Wonder Woman, we're literally dealing with uh, Zeus and Ares and the the mythological Greek gods. And uh, it's just not, it doesn't seem grounded in any kind of reality, which is why it's silly to me that this kind of is going to now exist in the same universe as Batman, and yeah, okay, Superman, yeah, but again, he's an alien, he comes from another planet, you know, uh, all of these other creatures, we've yet to see their their movie origins, uh, upcoming characters like Cyborg and uh, Aquaman, uh, and the other people that are going to populate the new Justice League movie, but uh, I just don't, I don't know if it works, I don't like the Zeus, Ares thing, I think that's pretty weak uh, as far as plot goes, but again, I don't know, uh, what are your takes on Wonder Woman, that's my take, all of that being said, it's not a terrible movie. I've seen much worse. I just didn't think it was a great movie. And I definitely don't think it's like this saving the DC Universe kind of a thing. They really need to... Uh, this might have been like commercially successful, but the DC people really need to uh, lighten up a little bit and have a little bit more fun. Uh, or these movies, I don't think, are going to be very sustainable. Not, not every movie has to be Marvel. And to be quite honest with you, comic book people back me up here. Marvel is dealing with much better uh, quality uh, source material. You know, Marvel Comics, the Marvel Heroes, the, the Golden Age, the Silver Age of Comics that came out when, when Marvel hit the map, they are uh, really were, you know, it, it, got, it, it got relatable. You got the teenager gets bit by the spider, you know, all these kinds of things that we could deal with as an audience. But anyway, uh, yeah. That's that. So that's Wonder Woman. On the other hand, another hero movie coming out uh, there that came out this past weekend was Captain Underpants, and uh, that was pretty pretty good movie for for kids, kids and adults. Pretty funny. And uh, I didn't know much about Captain Underpants. I'm way too old to have experienced uh, the the popular children's book that it's based on. But it was pretty funny, and and really because of the voice cast. Uh, you got Kevin Hart. You got Ed Helms. Uh, Nick Kroll is hilarious as uh, Professor Poopy Pants. I just like saying that. And uh, Kristen Shaw is in it. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that, that's not a bad one. So if, if a kid or a kid brother or sister is wanting to drag you to that, just go along. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, uh, we're going to move past that, though, now. That's the movies this weekend. On the back end of this podcast, I'll just kind of preview what we might do uh, coming up here 
over the next course of uh, the next few weeks in the summer. But um, at this point, let's shift gears and start talking about the Vietnam War. Again, uh, I'm going to be joined here uh, with by Lynn Novick and Sarah Botstein. Lynn is the director and co-producer, and Sarah is a producer on the Vietnam War Project. It is a docuseries brought to us by the legendary documentarian, excuse me, legendary documentarian Ken Burns. Uh, this is a 10-part, 18-hour docuseries that premieres on Sunday, September 17th on PBS, and they are showing a one-hour uh, preview in theaters at Cinetopia Film Festival this coming Friday, June 9th, uh, followed by a Q&A with both Lynn and Sarah. So without further ado, here is my interview with the two of them. Lynn Novick and Sarah Botstein, uh, thank you so much for joining me here on the Film Survivor Podcast. Our pleasure. We're happy to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. So let's just start at the very beginning and just tell people uh, what is what is the Vietnam War Project uh, that you guys are going to be bringing uh, here shortly. Well, um, Sarah and I have been working with Ken Burns and Jeff Ward, our writer, to create a 10-part, 18-hour series on the history of the Vietnam War that will be airing on PBS starting September 17th. And we are very excited to be coming to Detroit to show some highlights from the film and to talk about how we made it and why we made it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you, are you guys, is this part of a, uh, are you just in, I mean, obviously you're probably in more places than just Detroit. Is this kind of a, a rollout across the, the nation? or um, And what, if, if so, where are you guys on that tour? Well, we have been promoting the film um, a little bit uh, over the last couple of months and more regularly since Memorial Day and Ken and Lynn and occasionally me and sometimes with our writer Jeff Ward are traveling most of the country um, between now and the broadcast doing screenings in markets um, around, the, around the country talking about the film. And, and this is nothing new to either of you. You guys have worked together before and have done uh, several projects in the past. Um, how has this compared to other stuff you guys have uh, have done as far as the experience of, of the rollout? Well, I think we'd like to say that this Vietnam series is the most complicated and ambitious project we've ever undertaken. And uh, our rollout is no different. It is, we are trying, we're going to more markets and talking to more people and, um, sort of delving deeper into the subject matter and the complexities of what it means for our country. So it has been enormously challenging and incredibly rewarding so far to be out in the world and sharing little pieces of the, pieces of the film and with veterans, with people who protested the war, with Vietnamese Americans, with people who are too young to know anything about it, um, and just sort of starting a conversation about what happened and why. And as you mentioned, I mean, this is a this is a ten part series. Um, is eighteen hours long? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, eighteen hours long. I mean, I'm thinking about this in in terms of something as you know as complex and as vast as something you know historically significant as the Vietnam War. Where, as as a filmmaker, Lynn, where do you even where do you where does one begin when starting to take on a project like this? Well. We begin by taking a very deep breath <laughs> and just plunging into the deep end of the pool. Um, we start out with just the idea that we're going to make a film about the Vietnam War, and we're going to hear about it from all sides, and that means many different perspectives, American perspectives and many different Vietnamese perspectives. We didn't want to make the mistake that many Americans make when we think about the Vietnam War. We just think about ourselves. So that was job one for us was to be sure that we included 
a variety of Vietnamese points of view about the war and that we would hear about it mostly from people who lived through it on all sides, ordinary people who you're not familiar with and you don't know their story, and that through these more than 100 uh, witnesses that you get to know over the course of the film, you gain some deep understanding of the human experience of the war. And um, it took us a long time to pull it off. It took, we started thinking about the project 10 years ago, wow. and in the last six years is when we've been actually in production, editing, and post-production. And... Um, you know, we didn't really have a roadmap. We had a concept, but we didn't know how the film would turn out. We weren't trying to make an argument about a particular point of view or, you know, exactly prove a point about the war. We really wanted to just ask some basic questions of what happened and why is it still one of the most divisive and polarizing events in our history and um, see if we could sort of look under the hood and, and just dig deep into it and sort of not relive it per se, but... Mm -hmm create a film that would allow our audience to sort of experience it as it unfolded. And I'm sure, I mean, that what you said is kind of at the heart of, of documentary film, I guess, is kind of uh, not knowing where it's going to lead you uh, kind of a thing. Um, you know, but so much has been out there about the Vietnam War. Uh, were there any surprises to you to both of you particularly in, in the making of this? Were there any things that, uh, obviously, like pleasant surprises or horrific surprises as far as things that you discovered or unearthed uh, in the making of this? Well, I think the film was an extraordinary... It was an extraordinary privilege for everyone who worked on this film. We had um, an extremely active, interesting engaged board of advisors who helped us understand the history and so we were surprised to learn all kinds of things about the war that we thought some of us thought we understood better than others and um, found out that we didn't mm -hmm. we like to say that um, you know all of us come at this from a different age and a different mm -hmm. grew up in a different time and a different legacy of the war sure. Jeff Ward is in his 70s, Ken is in his 60s, Lynn is in her 50s, I'm in my 40s, and a lot of our younger staff are in their 30s and 20s. And, you know, we were surprised to learn, and we all sort of understood that this was contentious history, but sort of trying to just tell the story of the war was complicated and difficult. I think we were also pleasantly surprised and very, um, you know, lucky that archives around the world and our three major networks and the record companies and photo houses really were generous with their time and their licensing deals and their researchers and really worked with us to try to visualize and tell the story of the war in a new and different way. And we had the enormous luxury of time to really try to visually represent the story and, you know, I think it shouldn't be surprising, but I think we found the people that we interviewed and got to know over the course of making the film, both here and in Vietnam, to be extraordinarily generous, open, interested in telling the story from a human perspective and to really think about that time and to put it into some context and narratives for themselves, but also to to look at this time in, in history a little bit differently and, and anew. And that was, you know, surprising, obviously, but also very, very exciting and totally daunting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can imagine. You know, we, 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 we think a lot about that question because mm -hmm. 
people who are going to watch the film, many people will have lived through it sure. and have had the experience of, you know, having history happen to them. Mm-hmm. So you might think you, you know a lot about the subject because you were sentient through it, but it turns out that when you're in the middle of something, you really can't possibly understand it. Mm. And you need the distance of time and also scholarship and different perspectives to really understand and sort of triangulate your own experience. And, um, you know, we have scenes in the film where you hear from an American Marine who's working with South, South Vietnamese Marines, and they're going up against Viet Cong guerrillas in one battle, and you hear it from all three sides. Mm-hmm. And that's never been done before in a film. So that just gives our audience and us as filmmakers a sense understanding that there's just more than one way to see this. There's many different lenses to which you can understand it. And for all of us, one of the great revelations of the film was getting an intimate and personal knowledge of our leaders Mm -hmm. uh, because we have tapes. So you listen to Nixon and Johnson and their most um, inmost advisors discussing what to do about the war and how it affects politics and how politics affects their decisions and the geopolitical situation, and they're being very cynical, they're being very sort of um, calculating, they're being very um, smart sometimes about what to do, but the inside baseball conversations that they have among themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to put those into the film in context and hear their voices and hear them think out loud and talk and strategize. When you're also seeing what's happening to the ordinary people who are actually in the jungle fighting the war that they have set in motion or are not able to end. Um, sort of the way that these through lines intersect and uh, reflect off each other in ways that are hard to explain until you see the film, mm-hmm. that was revelatory for us, for sure. We could never have imagined how that was going to work until we started to put the pieces together. And that's so fascinating to me, too. And just, again, the com- the complexity of, of what you're tackling here. Um, and to think that I mean, it sounds daunting even to hear, you know, it's an 18-hour documentary mm-hmm. and there's hundreds of witnesses yeah. and, and stories. Um, but how do you how do you arrive at, at how long this thing should actually end up being? Um, I mean, I'd imagine that if, if you, you know, you probably could have made a, a 50-hour version of this of this thing if you wanted to. <laughs> um, well, yeah, well, how do you parse down what to include and, and what's the most important, uh, you know, portions to show a, an audience? Lynn, do you want to oh, have okay. a stab at okay, that? Okay, sure, okay. Yeah, you know, um, we really cast our net very wide, and we collect, like you said, an enormous amount of material. And then our writer, Jeff Ward, working with us, creates the first draft of our script, which in this case, if we had actually made that script into our film, would have been 40 hours long, probably. <laughs> and so then the process begins of just distilling and boiling it down and streamlining the narrative and deciding that this whole some whole stories just we're not going to tell and you know we didn't know exactly how long the film would be when we started we estimated it would be 14 hours or maybe i think 12 to 14 was our original estimate okay but the depth and complexity and richness of the stories that we found and particularly i think the narratives we were able to bring back from vietnam that added so much to the film we just couldn't actually contain it in 14 hours and so we ended up each episode has to have a beginning, middle, and end and have to tell a story, and the film unfolds chronologically. And so um, we just worked our way through the material, and in the end we ended up with six episodes that are two hours long and four episodes that are each 90 minutes long. Mm. And it really was really sort of like writing a book, and each chapter has its own internal logic, and then mm-hmm. the whole 
book has to have each chapter has to flow one into the next and it it's sort of it's just a process of watching the film and reworking it and editing it and rewriting it and sort of crafting and sort of honing piece by piece by piece over a long period of time and that's one of the reasons why the film took so long to make that's it, again, it just it blows my mind <laughs> what you guys do. Um, you know, in, in, in terms, you, we wish you could come to the edit room and then even really see how. <laughs> my you mind know, was... we, we could spend an entire day on one battle scene. I would and love finally that. Finally, we just have to walk away, right? <laughs> I, I mean, would... there is a moment where you just have to say, "Okay, we're done," right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's art, right? You, you're never you're never truly satisfied with whatever you end up with, you know. Um, Indeed, yes. <laughs> so you know, a lot Ken of Ken has a good line about this. I can't remember at the moment, but it's it's something along those lines. Like eventually, you never just, finished. You just you're say, never we're, finished. We're done. We're done. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, a lot of your passwords. And, and I will I will just say one of the one you know great but also terrible things that happens is when the film comes out, people start coming up to us and telling us stories that would have been great to put in the film. Oh yeah, you're like, and oh so, man, that would have been great. <laughs> uh huh. Endlessly, and that's you know. We're hoping to find a way to direct them to an archive so that those stories don't get lost because there's millions of stories. We just told a few. Well, there's always room for uh, another, you know, 10-part, um, you know, sequel <laughs> if you guys have another 10 years to spare on, on this. <laughs> um, so you know, I wanted to ask you, though, because a lot of your past work, too, you know, the, the, the Prohibition series, I know, like the Civil War, the, the, even the, the baseball um, documentary, a lot of these projects that you've tackled in, in, your, in your past um, career – have kind of been referred to by many, um, I'm sure you know this, it's kind of like the definitive take on things. You know, like if people want to know about something in great detail and, and with a unique kind of American take on, on things, uh, mm. you, you want to you want, you watch your work. Um, so my question is why, uh, obviously the Vietnam is a huge and important part of our history uh, in this country, but why the Vietnam War and, and why now, uh, the timing of this? Why, why tackle this now? Um, well, first I will say that um, now is an interesting moment that we're in. But when we started thinking about the film, it was in 2006, 2007. Mm -hmm. So Barack Obama had not been elected president. And obviously our current political situation was not even in our possible things we could imagine. Sure. So we made, we started working on the film in a different time, and now it's coming out at a time that seems um, very much resonant of what was going on during the Vietnam War. And so we would say that when we look at the problems and the tensions and the challenges and the difficulties in our society today, the alienation, the mistrust of government, the bitterness and cynicism, the just polarized society, that sort of binary, I'm right, you're wrong, mm -hmm. you know, which side are you on kind of rhetoric that we hear, the, um, the violence with which people hold to their beliefs and the um, sort of holding on to uh, narratives that maybe other people totally disagree with. A lot of that began during the Vietnam War. Those mm -hmm. seeds were sown at that time. And things seem to have gotten worse and worse in the last, well, since we've been working on the film, for sure. So um, I think we're somewhat distressed to see how uncivil our society seems to be at the moment and hoping that 
some good will come of looking back at the Vietnam War and what happened and sort of unpacking it and going back to the beginning and trying to understand why things unfolded the way they did. And maybe by just going through that process, we'll understand ourselves a little bit better. And we're hoping that through the experience of watching the film and the way that you see people tell their stories and take risks and, as Sarah was saying, sort of generously and bravely share their stories, even if they don't always reflect the greatest moments of their lives by any means, um, that for our country to watch it and then hopefully talk about what we've seen and how we feel about it, that may help us understand where we are right now. Okay. Yeah, to, yeah I mean, just to, to reiterate a little bit of what mm -hmm. Lynn was saying, I think certainly for me and the younger people working on the project to understand a part of the divisions in this country, the politics of the last 40 or 50 years, understanding what happened in Vietnam and with our presidents and with our politics and all of that was, was revelatory and extremely interesting. And, it, you know, we often talk about how it's, you know, important to know where you came from so you have some context for where you are and what where you might be going. And, and, and you know, yeah. when people, when young people have seen the film younger than us, they really are quite surprised to see the echoes of today sure. in what was going on during the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And the film raises some very profound questions because the people in the film raise profound questions about, you know, what is the nature of citizenship? What does it mean to be a patriot? What does what kind of loyalty does one owe one's government? Mm -hmm. What is the value of protest in a society? How do you you know affect change? And how do you hold your leaders accountable when they're making decisions that may not be in the nation's best interest? Mm -hmm. These are all profound questions. We don't have answers to them, but we see people throughout the course of the war wrestling with them in a way that had never happened in American mm -hmm. society before. And all of and those that's themes. That's very resonant for today. Yeah, all those themes, uh, they seem like they're ripped from today's headlines. You know, everything that you just mentioned. Exactly. Right yeah. Um, exactly. You know, so you guys are coming to Cinetopia, of course, with, with this. And, and what's showing there I, on Friday, June 9th, is going to be uh, a preview of the series. Um, which I understand is what, like an hour-long uh, kind of screening followed by a Q&A kind of a thing? Yes, we will screen a series of clips a little bit under an hour from across the entire series and then um, talk uh, about how we made the film, the choices that we made, um, and our process. Okay. And... Uh, I was just wondering too, you know, like last year, the the Oscar winner for documentary was the OJ uh, Made in America series, which was a TV, mm -hmm. you know, made for TV, but they they screened it in order to get, you know, uh, uh, eligibility for for the Academy Awards. Do you guys have any plans to to do something similar where you would actually screen the whole thing uh, to get consideration for the year end kind of recognition? Wow. I mean, we've certainly thought about that because of what happened with the OJ series, but 18, that series is seven hours long. <laughs> and they had to play, it had to be seen for the, I think you have to show it as one film, basically. They yeah. sort of did a marathon seven hours. So even, <laughs> I don't think we could ask people to watch 18 hours, but I will say, I think Sarah and I are really excited to come to Detroit and to show the film on the big screen in sure. a theater with the great sound that's there. And, you know, there's something, our film's are shown on television because that's the best place to distribute for the most people, but it's a small screen in your living room and it's very intimate. And, you know, going to the movies and watching a film like this on a big screen with other people mm -hmm. is a 
really extraordinary experience. We've seen just um, something happens when you're in a movie theater with the lights off and your, your phone's not ringing, you're not going, you know. Absolutely. Whatever, go check your mail and whatever. You're actually, <laughs> you know, your attention is riveted on the screen and you feel the other people around you. And so um, this is an immersive and visceral experience watching this film. And some parts of it are hard to watch and some parts of it are just sort of emotionally overwhelming. And so um, it, watching it in the dark with other people is, is really exciting for us to share that. And I want to ask you, too, so I'm a movie critic for Access.com, and uh, that website, uh, they're huge into music. Um, so I had a couple quick questions for you, too, in regards to kind of music things um, with the documentary. Uh, now, I haven't seen it myself, obviously, so I, I don't know if you know if there's music used, but I, I do know that the Vietnam War, um, really, of all mo- modern times, the music that came out of that era is, is very um, you know connected to that to that war and to what people were experiencing and people expressing themselves through song, uh, at that time. Uh, Mm -hmm. is there any, um, do we, is there any consideration to, uh, like the music or how did you kind of consider the pop culture, the music culture, um, in making this film and even in in terms of, you know, scoring it or using any kinds of, you know, music sound, what, what not? Well, I think that musically this film might be the most exciting project we ever are privileged enough to mm-hmm. work on. We had, uh, just to say from the outset, the unbelievable opportunity and experience of working with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who oh, did wow. the um, original score, which was complemented by Yo-Yo Ma and the Silk Road Ensemble, who also did original music for the series. And we can talk a little bit about the differences in how they both approached the music and the sounds of the film. Yeah. We also worked with our longtime collaborators, uh, David Sierra and Doug Womble, who've done music, original music for us for many films. But in addition to that, we spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about how we would precisely, to answer your question, mm-hmm. use the popular music of the time practically in terms of just how expensive and important that music is mm-hmm. and whether or not those artists, their managers, publishing companies and record companies would be interested in participating in a film on this scale. And then if that, if we were lucky enough for that to happen, how we would work with our editors to make sure that music was used in an artistic and practical and um, a way that could put the music in its historic context as well as everything else that we were doing, mm-hmm. right? So. We did have the enormous luck of every single publishing house, record company, manager, and artist felt strongly that they wanted to participate in this project and made it possible for us to license a little bit over 120 tracks of music, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix, The Temptations, Otis Redding, Mm. you name it. Neil Young, that that iconic music is in the film. That's awesome. And we don't play a piece of music if it hadn't come out yet. So if you're in 1965 and a piece of music hasn't come out till mm-hmm. 1968 and you're in episode four, the music that's in episode four came out during that time. That's awesome. And there are certain anthems of that era that really resonate in a totally different way if you hear them at the time that they came out. And I think, you know, Lynn and Ken and I have talked a lot about the music in this film, the original music and the licensed in music, because the rock and roll in particular 
even four years later, those anthems are still the most iconic rock and roll anthems in American music, right? Mm -hmm. So Lynn's kids have grown up listening to the same music. I grew up listening to that music. My daughter will know, knows who Bob Dylan is and she's Mm -hmm. six, right? So, um, that was extremely exciting and rewarding. And one of the most, um, really truly magical things about this project. In addition to Trent Atticus and Yo-Yo Ma on the Silk Road. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, and that's great to hear. And that's awesome that all those, uh, you know, again, people want to be a part of this. I'm sure if they hear that you're doing something, they probably are all about, <laughs> hey, we want in on that. Um, so yeah, we found that to be true. And we, you know, that's extraordinary. And uh, so yeah, I'm running out of time here. So I just wanted to say to you guys, uh, you know, of course, you, you mentioned at the top of, of the podcast that um, this uh, Vietnam War series is coming uh, PBS, right? And it's starting uh, premieres on Sunday, September 17th. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's yep. correct. Okay, and uh, if people were more I- or interested in even, you know, I know that they can go to the Cinetopia website and, and buy tickets to try to see this uh, particular Cinetopia screening, but just in general, if people wanted to find out more about this Vietnam War, uh, you know, documentary series, uh, where can they go? Is there, a, is there Twitter, social media, um, or even your own personal uh, Twitter handles or anything like that that you'd like to share with people? Well, they can go to pbs.org slash the Vietnam War. Okay. And there's some clips on there that they can watch of the film. There's a half hour how we made the film sort of extended uh, make behind the scenes show. And there's little clips of different people that you meet. So that and there's background about, you know, um, who we are and and, uh, how the film was made. So that's a good place to start. Great. But, yeah, thank you both again and great chatting with you and uh, and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. It's been a, a treat to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. So very cool. Uh, that is, again, uh, Lynn Novick, Sarah Botstein, uh, both with uh, the Vietnam War Project that's coming out on PBS. I, I just thought that was fascinating. I mean, you think about it, too. I did not, I wasn't, I'm not old enough to have lived through the Vietnam War, uh, but it really does alter your take. That The music, though, is undeniable. You know, you hear music from that era, and it kind of puts you in a mindset, but uh, I'm really looking forward to what they what they do with it. And I mentioned a couple of these, but if you have not seen uh, Lynn Novick's uh, epic baseball documentary series, I think it was about 20 years old now, check that out. A few years back, they did a, a big uh, couple-part series on the uh, Prohibition uh, in America, which was also fascinating. Uh, they've done really great work. Go to imdb.com, check them out, and go uh, look at some of their stuff if you're into documentaries. So there you go there. Uh, So what do we got next week? Next week, uh, coming up on the podcast, uh, this weekend's big release is The Mummy. It's the the relaunch of the franchise, The Mummy, with uh, Tom Cruise. So I'll talk to you a little bit about that. And uh, there's also a movie coming out, a smaller movie. uh, It's called Megan Levy. It's about... uh, it's an army story about a female and her dog. I'll leave it at that for now. And then, oh, what else we got? Uh, the horror movie, the highly anticipated uh, horror movie called It Comes at Night. The reason it's highly anticipated is because it is directed by Trey Edward Schultz, who burst onto the scene last year in the best movie that you've never seen called uh, Krisha. Krisha. I should say, or however you want to pronounce it. Krisha was one of the coolest, best, uh, most moving 
uh, movies of 2016, and uh, Trey Edward Schultz was instantly put on the map of many, and this is uh, the follow-up. Yeah, it's coming out with It Comes at Night. Trey Edward Schultz's follow-up. Not related to Krisha in any way, but just his second movie. So we're going to be talking about those two. We have some other uh, interviews and things lined up, uh, but I don't want to spoil it right now. But we will. Uh, I'm, I'm asking you to come back next week and check out the podcast once again. This is a Film Survivor podcast that you're listening to. I am your host, Tom Santilli. You can find all of my coverage uh, of movies and also Survivor uh, coverage at Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Tom Santilli. My website is TomSantilli.com. You can find me on Facebook and this podcast. Again, the Film Survivor podcast is available on Podbean and also on iTunes for free download. So I appreciate you listening to this. I hope that you're enjoying yourself so far and I hope you're getting out to the movies. Share this around. Let's get this thing going. And uh, I've, I've loved the feedback so far. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to continue to bring you uh, movies and interviews uh, as we barrel through the summer here on our way towards season 35 of Survivor uh, coming at you in September. So that'll do it for this week's edition of the Film Survivor Podcast. Again, I'm Tom Santilli. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.